Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. We've actually reached the 28th day of our series. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it. We will inshallah begin with some recitation of the Quran. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alif lam أَحَسِبَ النَّاسُ أَنْ يُتْرَكُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا آمَنَّا وَهُمْ لَا يُفْتَنُونَ وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ أَمْ حَسِبَ الَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السَّيِّئَاتِ أَنْ يَسْبِقُونَ سَاءَ مَا يَحْكُمُونَ مَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُو لِقَاءَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ أَجَلَ اللَّهِ لَآتِ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد. Yesterday's session was regarding the the storytelling in the Quran, the stories in the Quran, and the purpose of these stories and how these stories come about and so on. Today there's just a few bits of. information left about that that I want to cover and then I've got some other really interesting and uh, miscellaneous aspects regarding the Quranic sciences inshallah. So firstly, uh, to complete today's discussion, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as you see, there's many, many repeats, but you will never see that it's the exact repeat. And a lot of these repeats, one of the purposes of these stories is to give the human being, is to give us actually, the it's uh, 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 us, a way to also learn additional lessons for our tarbiyah and for our nurturing, which the Quran is a book for. So it doesn't tell you the stories in vain. It obviously tells us for the several factors that I mentioned yesterday. And additionally, there are a number of advices that are imparted therein as well. And we're going to look at just a few of them today. So inshallah, when you start reading the Quran, when you do this for yourself, you'll be able to pick them out because you know what it is. For example, the story of Luqman and his advices to his children. Now that one is full of advices. So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قَالَ لُقْمَانُ لِبْنِهِ وَهُوَ يَعِذُهُ يَا بُنَيَّ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ When Luqman said to his son, while he was advising him and counseling him, O oh my son, uh, do not ascribe partners to Allah. Do not ascribe partners to Allah because ascribing partners to Allah is... Um, is the, the, the worst of the oppression, is the largest oppression, is the greatest form of oppression. Once uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that, in a lot of stories, He mentions the story and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give some advices. So Allah then says, And we have counseled, we have given instruction uh, to the insan uh, regarding their parents. So firstly, you've got the, this this wasiyah that carries on, and this is all in Surah Luqman, by the way. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives advice after following the advices of Luqman alayhi salam. So it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech itself. 
Why, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carry on giving advice after Luqman alayhi advice? Well, it's to confirm the advice that Luqman alayhi gave to say that, yes, this is completely relevant to you and this is important for you as well. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about shirk again, that don't do shirk. And then thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا وَصَاحِبُهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا so after the advice that was given by Luqman السلام, which was regarding not committing shirk and uh, obeying your parents and so on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, if they force you to ascribe partners to me, if they constrain you, force you and push you to ascribe partners with me, with something that you have no knowledge about, then don't obey them. But still deal with them in a nice way in this dunya. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides that, in, uh, that, that understanding that you're not allowed to follow your parents in shirk if they're going to make you commit polytheism. But that does not mean that, you've, that you're not their child biologically anymore. And just because of the fact that you are biologically their children, you still have to deal with them in the best manner possible in terms of just general behavior with them. You, you refuse if they tell you to do anything wrong, but... In terms of politeness and everything else, that's exactly what it is very difficult for a lot of people to do, right? A lot of people really, especially if they've got tough parents, it's very, very difficult. But it's a balance that you have to try to achieve in the best manner possible. Right? Likewise, if we move on where there's a discussion between Musa salam and, and the Pharaoh. So Musa salam says in there, إِنِّي عُثْتُ بِرَبِّي وَرَبِّكُمْ مِنْ كُلِّ مُتَكَبِّرٍ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِيَوْمِ الْحِسَابِ Musa salam says this. Now, think about this. Musa salam is saying, I have sought refuge in my Lord. I've taken refuge in my Lord and your Lord. So, my Lord and your Lord I've taken refuge in. From every arrogant, every arrogant person, who does not believe in the day of reckoning. Now, what does that tell you? If Musa is seeking refuge and has taken refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from such a person, it's obviously, it's, a, it's what he said to Pharaoh, right? And that's the dua he made, right? And that's the, that's the statement he made rather. But what's going on here is that this is actually indicating towards the fact that anybody with this kind of a um, with, with this with this kind of a attitude, who's a mutakabbir who does not believe in yawmul hisab, is a bad thing. So there's advices that are in there, transferable advices for others as well. Likewise, when we discussed yesterday the rajulun mu'min, the man who's a believer, who's secret, who's the secret believer, you know, the man of faith within. The, the, the people of Pharaoh who's advising them. Uh, there's so many advices in there, right? In one of them he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not guide the one who is a musrif, the one who's excessive and who's a major liar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't guide those people. Thereafter that, he says, Also says in those verses, this verse, Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then seals, places a seals upon the heart of every 
arrogant and tyrannical individual. They get a seal on themselves. If they don't sort themselves out, they get a seal upon themselves and then after that, they find it very difficult to change. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Um, this is a long discussion. We're not going to go into all of the details here, but just so that you understand. For example, uh, Adam alayhi salam's story has been mentioned in the Quran in at least six places, right, throughout. And the the general, I mean, we, we're not going to go through and read all of the verses, but if you do, what you're going to find, like in Surah Al-Baqarah, then you're going to find that in a number of other surahs in the Quran. What you're going to find is there's a number of advices in there regarding following desire, right? It's a warning against following desire, warning against opposing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, commands. It, uh, it also gives an understanding of the weakness of human beings, which if we recognize that we're weak, then we'll know that we can take precautions. If you don't know you're weak and you think you're strong, and then after that you just get bowled over, then that's not worth it. So that's why the story also tells us that humans are weak, right? And there's weakness in there. Uh, number four, what you also learn from there is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts tawbah. Even, you know, um, go, de depicting that from that story, what you understand from there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows that tawbah and repentance, which is return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is available always, right? So that's what you learn from the six or seven instances in which Adam Aysam's story is mentioned. Likewise, through the story of Ibrahim which is mentioned approximately 20 times, Ibrahim is mentioned at least 20 times his story is mentioned, right? Now that tells us a number of other things. Um, some of the big features that you understand from there, some of the big advices you get from there, importance of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? You learn that from there because of Ibrahim searching for the truth and showing, you know, how to get to the truth. Um, turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, focusing, returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the discussion about establishing the house for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? That's a big lesson. Establish a house for Allah. That's what Ibrahim salam did. He became the great Imam. And that's one thing that we could all hope to do, even if we can't establish a masjid by ourselves. We could, you know, donate towards a masjid and uh, take part in one. Likewise, you understand the blessings of Adhan and calling people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though there's nobody there in whatever way, shape or form you can. So there's a number of different advices that you can pick from the story of Ibrahim Likewise, if you look at Musa subhanAllah, you know, that story with Musa along with Pharaoh, and then he's got that interaction with Shu'ib and then Shu'ib daughters and so on. In each one of these, you can find so many advices. You know, the way uh, Shu'aib daughters, the way they, their demeanor was, the way they acted with him, their interaction with him, even though it's necessary for them to speak to him, but they did it with istihya, you know, with uh, trying to be as chaste as possible, uh, you know, with complete morality and everything like that. There's just so many advices in these stories of the prophets, right, that you can, you can pick them out. So there you go. That gives us uh, some understanding of why there's so many stories and the benefits that you have from there and um, so on. Now let us move on to a few other points. These are some really interesting points that I thought you know you may enjoy inshallah and benefit from. Let's take, um, I'll, I'll just, men uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to mention different verses, different virtues people have mentioned for these verses and different really interesting ideas. So inshallah, you know, you, you will enjoy this. Firstly, according to Ibn al-Munayyir, now Imam Suyuti has related this from Ibn al-Munayyir. He says that Ayatul Kursi, 
right? We're not here trying to do a tafsir of Ayatul Kursi, right? We've got a separate, uh, you know, session for that already on Zamzam Academy. But this is a really interesting point. It's uh, Ayatul Kursi is verse 255 of Surah Al-Baqarah, which you will know and make sure that everybody knows it. And one of the first things that your children learn as well. He says that Ayatul Kursi comprises of, as a single verse, comprises of probably, uh, there's probably no other verse that comprises of so many references, names and references to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Ayatul Kursi. And maybe that is why it makes it one of the most significant and superior verses of the Quran. So there are, a, he says, this is his opinion, I've not checked this out 100%, but it seems to make sense. He says there are 17 places there in which there's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name either mentioned clearly, right, or it's referring to him. Right? So it's indicating to him. So for example, Allahu, Huwa, He, Al-Hay, the, the living, Al-Qayyum, the self-subsisting. Then, La Ta'khudhu Hu, He is not overcome by. So He, Lahu, for Him is, Indahu, by Him. Wa bi'idhnihi, right? Man dha ladhi yashfa'u indahu bi'idhnihi, bi'idhnihi, by His permission. Ya'lamu, He knows. Ilmihi, uh, his knowledge, Sha'a, he, uh, whatever he wants, Kursiyuhu, his kursi, Ya'uduhu, um, Wala Ya'udu, actually it's Wala Ya'uduhu, Hifduhuma, their protection does not overwhelm him, does not uh, fatigue him, him. Hifduhuma, uh, right? Hifduhuma, uh, again in there it's referring to uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protecting them, uh, those two things. Wahua, he, Al Ali Yul Azim, Ali and Azim, the most high and the most majestic. That that's a kind of you know I, I, what I'm trying to show you by here is people have really really thought deeply about the Quran. We've had billions of people from the time of the Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam until now. Billions of people. Today, generally, when you ask somebody about the Quran, it's like, what's your favorite verse of the Quran? Right. That's kind of the question I've been. What's your favorite hadith? As though there should be just one thing. I mean, I think we need to go deeper than that these days. Right? We need to go deeper than that and say like, okay, which verse really, really, really frightens you? Right? That makes you tremble from it. Which verse it, it provides you the greatest hope in the Quran? Uh, which verse provides you the greatest promise in the Quran? And, and look at it in that sense. You know, that, that just shows a much more deeper analysis. I mean, for those who understand Arabic, if you were to read books like Al-Itqan of Imam Suyuti, you'll find a lot of, these in, uh, lot of this information in there. And for those who don't know Arabic, I'm not sure if anybody's included all of this. or there, there's not. I don't think there's a full translation of the Itqan of Suyuti, uh, for example, or a book like that. Okay, let's mention a few other things here. It's related from Sha'bi. This Imam Suyuti relates this from Imam Sha'bi, that once Umar ibn al-Khattab met a contingent of people, uh, a, dele a delegation of people who were on, he was on the journey and he met a delegation of people among which was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, told somebody from his group to call them, to announce to them, min ayn al-qawm, where is this group from? Right. So they said that we've come from quite a far distance, but we want to go to Hajj. We, uh, we're going to the ancient house, meaning we're going to Kaaba. So Umar radiallahu anhu says, um, you know, they, they seem to have a scholar. They have a scholar among them. And 
So let's ask them some questions. It's a really interesting exchange. Let's ask them some questions. So he said, okay, the first question is, which part of the Quran is the most majestic, most revered verse in the Quran? So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who was in that group, he said, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum. So then he asked the question, Ayyul Qur'ani ahkam? Uh, which part of the Quran has the most judicial message in there? So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he's a scholar of the Quran himself, right? He immediately says, Inna Allah ya'muru bil-adli wal-ihsani wa ita'i dhil-qurba wa yanha'ani al-fahshai wal-munkar. But he says, Inna Allah ya'muru bil-adli wal-ihsan, which is verse 90 from Surah Al-Nahl. Verse 90 of Surah Al-Nahl. Then he asked, Ayyul Qur'ani ajma' which is the how do you translate ajma' in this context would be which is the most comprehensive verse in the Quran in in the sense of what it includes you know how much meaning it includes or how much uh, promise it includes so immediately he says now this is his perspective this is not only the Prophet said this and that's why he's relating this no this is his observation this is his assessment, this is his analysis, this is what he's found. So then he says, This is from Whoever does an atom weight of good, he will see it. And whoever does an atom weight of evil, then he will see, see it too. Then Umar asked them to say, Ayyul Qur'ani ahzan. Which of the Quran is most, um, most uh, uh, anguish creating, most saddening verse of the Quran? This is a verse of Surah An Nisa, 123. Whoever does evil, he will be. He will be given in lieu of it. He will be given something for it. Meaning he will be punished for it. Whoever does any evil, su'an, any evil, yudzabihi, he will have the punishment for it. Then he asks, okay, ayyul qur'ani arja. We've heard the most saddening verse and most uh, frightening verse in that sense. Right? Most one to cause grief rather. Now give us the verse that, has the, that holds the greatest hope and provides the greatest hope. فَقَالْ قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Which is, say that, O oh, my servants who have transgressed against themselves, don't become despondent of Allah's mercy. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives all sins. This is in Surah Az-Zumar, verse 53. Right? Now, Imam Suyuti has quoted from many, 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 many different people and pretty much most of them are saying that that is probably the mo- one of the most hope filled verses in the Quran. So remember this is Surah Az-Zumar verse 53. And then he asked, um, it, you know, Do you people have Ibn Mas'ud anhu among you? And they said yes. And that was actually Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who was giving those, those answers. Maybe he recognized from that. Imam Abdul Razak has transmitted again from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud anhu. Um, the same thing. Um, in another, this is another transmission which shows that the most judicious verse in the Quran that provides the greatest form of, you know, concept of justice is in Allah ya'mur bil adli wal ihsan, verse 90 of Surah Al Nahl, and فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَى until the end. 
Imam Tabarani relates from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu Ma fil Qur'ani ayatun a'zamu farajan min ayatin fi surat al-ghuraf. It's interesting the way he said this. He says that there's no verse in the Qur'an that provides greater, greater opening. Like, you know, the idea of faraj is that you're in a very tight space. Psychologically, you're really restricted. You're really down. You don't see an opening. And that's how people feel that while they may be in a big house or in a big field, but they feel that the world is constrained over them. So he's saying the one which provides the greatest opening, right? Uh, there's no verse that does it as well as Suratul Ghuraf, right? There's no verse that does it as well as the one in Suratul Ghuraf. And uh, Suratul Ghuraf is just one of the prominent verses in there. That's why he's called it Suratul Ghuraf. But otherwise, it's actually Suratul Zumar, verse 53. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ So essentially that is the most hope-filled verse. O oh my servants, those who have transgressed against themselves, don't, don't, don't break your hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He forgives everything. And then he says, uh, there is no verse in the Qur'an that is... Uh, more for your giving uh, somebody reliance that where you can actually consign your matters to someone else which is that verse of the Quran that gives you something that you can give up all of your grief and worry to someone else and they look after it for you which is that verse of the Quran so he said that's in Surah Al-Talaq verse 3 which is whoever relies upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah is sufficient for him Allah is sufficient. As you can see, these are observations from these different scholars, uh, Sahaba as well, as to what their reading of the Quran brought them. Abu Dhar al-Harawi, uh, this is not your Abu Dhar radiallahu and this is somebody later, he says in his Fada'il al-Quran, and he has another transmission to Abdullah ibn Masood radiallahu anhu says, I heard the Prophet sallallahu saying that the greatest verse in the Quran is Ayatul Kursi, Allahu la ilaha illa wal hayyul qayyum. The most judicious is, Inna Allah ya'mur bil adl. Um, I think I've mentioned all of these anyway, but this is through another transmission. He said the same thing. Now, um, you know, in the interest of time, let's actually move on to a few other points here. There's actually so much of this that Imam Suyuti has put together. But I mean, we'll be here all day if we were to discuss this, which would be fine, but we don't have too much time left. Ibn Abid Dunya, in his Kitab Tawbah, he relates from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu this time, that there are eight verses which have been revealed in Surah An-Nisa, right? Eight verses which have been related in Surah An-Nisa. And they are superior for this Ummah than what the sun sets upon and what the sun rises upon. Meaning they are extremely valuable verses that are found all in Surah An-Nisa. So Surah An-Nisa is the Surah regarding women. There's a lot of Masail in there regarding women, but it has a number of these advices as well. First verse, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُبَيِّنَ لَكُمْ وَيَهْدِيَكُمْ سُنَنَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ وَيَتُوبَ عَلَيْكُمْ Verse 26. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to clear this for you. He wants to provide clarity for you. He doesn't want to keep you in the dark. And He wants to guide you to the paths of those before you and he wants to relent upon you. Meaning he wants to accept your dua. He wants you to, sorry, he wants to accept your repentance. That, mashallah, is a huge 
piece of advice. Now you read Surah An-Nisa, pick these out. The second verse is verse 27, the next verse. وَاللَّهُ يُرِيدُ أَن يَتُوبَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَيُرِيدُ الَّذِينَ يَتَّبِعُونَ الشَّهَوَاتِ أَن تَمِيلُوا مَيْلًا عَظِيمًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling you to relent to you, meaning He wants to accept your tawbah, uh, your, your, your repentance. Whereas those, those who follow their desires, you know, they would like it that you would become inclined to them instead. But Allah wants you to be with Him. The third verse is the next one, which is verse 28. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to lighten the burden upon you. He doesn't want to put burdens on you. But remember, humans have been created weak. So if you are going to slip and fall, it's because of your weakness. Take precaution. The fourth verse is now uh, three verses later. Verse 31, Allah says, If you just avoid the major things that you have been told to avoid, so if you avoid the major sins, the big ones, at least, you know, you, because you're going to say, oh, it's so difficult to avoid minor sins and so on. Well, if you avoid the big sins, actively trying to avoid the big sins, then all the other smaller ones, we will expiate them for you. We will get rid of them. We'll expiate them for you. The fourth one is verse, um, sorry, the fifth verse then is verse 40. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not oppress even the amount of an atom. Even a small infinitesimally amount, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not oppress. Now, you see this word dharra, it comes quite often in the Quran. We just read it from Surah Al-Zilzal as well. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ the amount of a dharra. What exactly is a dharra? So there's many, many, uh, there's a lot of tafsir and explanations about what dharra refers to. Okay, One of the opinions which I found to be really amazing and which puts this in perspective, right? Because if you talk about it as an atom, I mean, nowadays in science, they've discovered atoms and quarks and <coughs> protons and neurons and all the rest of it. And, you know, so on. But if I give you the example of something physical, which you can actually relate to, which is not, you know, from the books of science. When you have the sun rays coming inside the window, right? You have a sun ray, you have the sun's rays coming inside the window. It's like a shaft of light, right? Now, within that shaft of light, what you will notice, you don't notice otherwise. I can't see any of this right now. But in that light, because there's no sunlight coming in right now, but if there was, what you would actually see within that ray of sun are these very, 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 very minute miniature particles, like nanopatting, whatever. They're, they're very small, these really small things. I don't know if that's what becomes dust eventually on, and settles when they gather together, but you'll see them in there. They're there. They're here right now, but I can't see them. Okay? When you can see them, it says like that. And that's just to show the smallest thing that Allah does not even oppress even that much. And if you have, if it's a good deed you've done, Allah will multiply it, multiply it. Allah wants to give you as much opportunity as well. You do good things, we're going to multiply that. If you do sins, we're going to, we're not going to oppress you. If we're going to take you to task, it will be exactly as much as, you know, you, you transgressed. The sixth verse in Surah An-Nisa, Right? And you can write all of these down. Right? So far I've said verse 26, 27, 28, 
31, 40, 110. I mean, otherwise, just look at Surah Nisa and you'll pick these out, inshallah, now. So the six verses, Whoever does do evil, whoever happened to do evil, whoever does evil or oppresses themselves, then they go and seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extremely forgiving. Now, how much promise is that giving that verse? Because this applies to all of us. Then verse 7, which is verse 48 of the surah. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَن يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive that partners that ascribe to him. That's something he does not tolerate. Right? That is not something he takes at all, that anybody ascribes a partner to him. However, he is willing to forgive everything besides that. He is willing to forgive every other sin besides You just have to ask him, spend these last few days in Ramadan doing that. SubhanAllah, may Allah cleanse us, purify us, absolutely polish our hearts so that there's not an iota or a dharra of a black left on there. May Allah, I know it's a big ask from Allah. Yeah, Allah, please, you, we ask you to... Uh, Based on these verses, we're reading these verses of hope here, and all our congregation is here as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. And the last, the eighth verse from uh, Suratul Nisa is verse 152. Those people who, those people who believe in Allah and His messengers. And they don't go and try to make any separation between them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then give them their reward and so on. Inshallah, we're among these people, inshallah. Inshallah. Right, let's move on to a few more. Inshallah, this is helpful. Um, Ibn Abi Hatim has related from Ikrimah, who's a tabi'i. He said that once Ibn Abbas anhu was asked, Ayyu ayatin arkhasu fi kitabillah? See, these are the kind of questions. Which ayah do you think gives the most dispensation? Gives the most room, right? Provides the greatest amount of dispensation. Okay, this is the verse 30 of Surah Fussilat. It is, Inna Surely those who say that our Lord is Allah and then they remain steadfast the angels will descend upon them and it will be said to them you do not need to fear you do not need to grieve accept the glad tidings of paradise the paradise the gardens that you have been promised we are your friends in this worldly in this worldly life and in the akhirah and for you in it then will be whatever your heart desires and for you in it is what you will call for and what you will want Nuzulam min ghafoorir rahim, as hospitality from the forgiving, the all forgiving and the merciful one. So that's the verse he says. And he says, 
that is the most dispensation providing verse over the shahadat of Allah. Allah ilaha illallah. Once you've done shahada, then that that is what it is. As long as you can say my Lord is Allah and then you try to stay you stay steadfast, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide this. Inshallah. Okay, so now uh, Ibn Rahway has uh, said that he's got a transmission from Muhammad ibn al-Muntashir. He said that there's a person who said to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Uh, he came to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu and he said to him, you know what, I know the most severest ver verse in the Quran. Like, you know, I've got a secret. I know the most severest verse in the Quran, right? the toughest verse in the Quran. Uh, Umar radiallahu anhu went to, uh, I don't know if this was in like fake play or whatever, he had a whip with him and he says, look, I'm going to beat you up. Malak naqabta anha hatta alimtaha. Um, what, why are you hiding this verse then? Like, uh, why are you putting a niqab over it? What is this verse? So he said, it's mayamal su It's in Surah An-Nisa. We just read it, one twenty-three. Whoever does an evil, yudzabeh. He's good. well. Actually, no, we didn't read it because that those were the hopeful verses. This one is also in Surah An-Nisa. Whoever does any evil, he will be given uh, a, a retaliation for it. Right. And so then he said. Um, this is the reason this is the harsh, harshest verse is because how many of us have not done any evil at all except anybody who does it obviously he's going to be uh, given a retaliation for it Umar anhu said that um, we remember when this verse was revealed so Umar knew about this verse so he recalls now he says that yes we remember labithna hina nazalat we remained when this verse was revealed وَلَا شَرَابٌ حَتَّى أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ وَرَخَّصٌ right? That we could not eat food, no food was benefiting us, you know, we weren't enjoying food or drink until eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed the other verse and He provided a lot of dispensation and that's the verse 110 which we've already read وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوءًا أَوْ يَظْلِمْ نَفْسَهُ ثُمَّ يَسْتَغْفِرِ اللَّهِ Whoever does evil or oppresses themselves and then they seek forgiveness from Allah, they will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgiving and merciful. So don't tell people that verse in, you know, separately basically, right? Because give them the hope afterwards as well. Ibn Abi Hatim has related from Hassan, uh, rahimahullah. He says that I, Hassan, Hassan al-Basi, rahimahullah, qala, sa'altu aba barzat al-aslamiyya. Now remember, th these are not things that are mentioned from the Prophet ﷺ that this is the severest verse. He did mention some things like um, one verse which is um, You need to remain steadfast like you've been commanded that that was very severe. And he has mentioned things like that. So there are some of these uh, observations from the Prophet ﷺ for sure. These are from others, right? Um, it's just interesting how different people have considered different verses. So Hassan Basri Rahmatullah said that I asked Abu Barza al-Aslami about the severest verse for him, you know, what he finds to be the toughest verse for him in the book of Allah, right? Regarding the people of Hellfire. So he says, regarding the people of Hellfire, the, the, the most severe verse that person Abu Barza al-Aslami found is, 
فَذُوقُوا فَلَنَّزِيدَكُمْ إِلَّا عَذَابًا Once a person is in hellfire, then Allah will say, taste it. فَذُوقُوا So now taste this fire, taste this punishment. And we're not going to increase you except in more punishment. Meaning we're only going to increase you in more punishment. That is severe. May Allah protect us. Thereafter, Ibn Jarir al-Tabari has related from Ibn Abbas anhu. He said, مَا فِي الْقُرَانِ أَشَدُّ تَوْبِيخًا مِنْ هَذِي الْآيَةِ the, the, the verse of the Qur'an which is most severe in its censor is the verse of Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 63, verse uh, 63 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. Why did their lordly people and their rabbis not prevent them from their uh, sinful statements? and from their, uh, from their other evils and so on. So why is that severe? It's severe because Abdullah ibn Abbas is, is speaking as a scholar, as a leader, as a guide of the Muslims. So if the Bani Israel and the previous nations, if their rabbis and priests, etc. are going to be challenged like that, then the ulama are going to be challenged like that as well. So that's why this is for him really, really one of the most toughest verses in terms of its censor. Likewise, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak radiyallahu an rahimahullah has mentioned his kitab al-Zuhd from Dahak ibn Muzahim regarding the verse, uh, the, uh, so Dahak ibn Muzahim says regarding the verse of Surah Al-Ma'idah, same thing, verse 63, There's no verse that is more frightening than this verse. You know, these guys are speaking as scholars, right? That's why. Ibn Abi Hatim has also raised from Hassan al-Basri that there's no verse that was, re, that was uh, probably more severe upon the Prophet ﷺ, more harder on the Prophet ﷺ to deal with, right, than the verse in Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 37 of Surah Al-Ahzab. وَتُخْفِي فِي نَفْسِكَ مَاللَّهُ مُبْدِيهِ وَتَخْشَ النَّاسِ See, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told, there's several um, possibilities here, but the one story is that... Uh, the Prophet ﷺ had one of his uh, original foster children uh, who he had looked after uh, to be married to his cousin Zainab radiallahu anha. But their marriage wasn't going well and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had already told him that you're going to marry her. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't want to tell anybody that because it was a difficult thing to do at that time because um, foster children were considered one's own children because in those days the more children you had and could associate with yourself you were stronger that way so a foster child became yours if you just claimed a child it would become yours but that was obviously not the reality and Allah wanted to change that whole thing so Allah wanted um, eventually the Zayd was going to divorce his wife and the Prophet was going to have to marry her and that was going to be seen as really strange and weird in the community so the Prophet was quite apprehensive about this that's why Hassan says that that is the most severest verse, and that's his observation, right? Upon the Prophet from his reading of the hadith. Um, says, and you were hiding within yourself, concealing within yourself what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was going to reveal. And you were fearing people. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it very clear and he changed that whole tradition. Thereafter that we've got from uh, Ibn al-Mundhir, from Ibn Sirin. This is the great dream interpreter, the Tabi. He says, there was no verse that was more frightening for them, meaning probably the Sahaba or the Tabi'een, right? I'm not sure who he's referring to, but he must be referring to them. 
than the verse of Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 8 of Surah Al-Baqarah. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ There are people who say we believe in Allah and the last day, but they're not really truly believers. Now that's frightening that we also say the same thing today. That's why we're sitting here today. We say that we're believers in Allah and the last day, but they're not truly believers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never let that be the case with us. It's related from... Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, the akhwafu ayatin fil Quran, for him, the most frightening verse of the Quran is, Surah Ali Imran, verse 131, and fear the hellfire which has been pre prepared for the disbelievers. Others said, no, the verse of Surah Rahman, verse 31, we're going to free ourselves. We're going to um, yes, we're going to free ourselves for you, O humans and jinn, meaning we're going to take care of you on this day. Well, that's the day of judgment. There's a lot of these statements, and we can't mention all of them to you today because we don't have the time. I'll mention a few more. Ibn Abi Hatim is related from Abu Aliya, another great uh, Mufassir. He says there are two verses in the Book of Allah, right, which are the severest verses for those who like to dispute regarding the Qur'an. They should listen to these verses. One is in Surah Ghafir, verse 4. مَا يُجَادِلُ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا It is only the people who disbelieve that dispute regarding the verses of Allah. So that means if you say you're a believer and you're disputing, then this is really going to be tough for you to deal with. Likewise, the other verses in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 176. وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ اخْتَلَفُوا فِي الْكِتَابِ لَفِي شِقَاقٍ بَعِيدٍ Those who are in dispute regarding the book, they are in a really, really far-off, big dispute. Um, you know, that, that's really, uh, really, really trying to dis discourage it. Then Sa'di, sorry, Sa'idi says that Surah Al-Hajj is one of the wonders of the Qur'an. Right? So when you get a chance, inshallah, whether in Ramadan or outside, you should write these things down so you can go and check these things up. Surah Al-Hajj, the 17th Jews, is from the wonders of the Quran. Because Surah Al-Hajj has Makki verses, Madani verses. He has resident verses, resi, uh, verses that were revealed while Prophet was resident and while he was traveling. It has night verses in there. It has day verses in there. It has verses that re were revealed during a war. It, it has verses in there that were, that were revealed during peace. It has um, also abrogating verses and abrogated verses. So the Makki verses in there are from, because it's a, you're going to call it a Makki surah. So that's why the Makki verses, are, no, actually, it's a Madani surah. Makki surahs is from the 30th verse to the end are Makki verses. The Madni verses are from 15 to 30. The night verses are the first five verses, right, from the beginning. And the day verses are from, according to him, are from the ninth verse to the ninth, to the twelfth verse. And the one that were in residence were from there then to the twentieth verse. And the abrogating verse in there is, أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا 
And the abrogated verse is verse 69. So 39 is the abrogator, verse 69 is the abrogated. Allah Imam Kirmani, he has said that the Mufassirin that he knew, the commentators of the Quran that he knew, their statement was that one of the most complex verses of the Quran in terms of the rulings provided in there to understand them and to extrapolate them and so on, and its meaning in general, and its structure, its composition, in terms of its grammar, right? In three senses, the most toughest verse to deal with is Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu shahadatu baynikum idha hadara ahadakum ul-mawd This is Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 106. Now, one more point from him, from Kirmani again. Regarding the beginning of Surah Yusuf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 3, نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ بِمَا أَوْحَيْنَا We are to tell you the best of stories. We are to relate to you the most excellent of stories. So he says, it's said that this is the story of Yusuf salam, And the reason why it's called the best of stories is what does it include? So this is a synopsis of uh, Surah Yusuf, essentially. It's a synopsis of Surah Yusuf. It, it's a story of Yusuf, but there's a lot of other stories. But So why is this one the best of stories? According to him, it's because it includes the following. It includes mention of envious and the one envied. It, re it refers to the uh, sovereigns and kings and those who are subjects. It has that discourse in there. It discusses people who witness things and it discusses the things which were witnessed. It discusses lovers and the loved ones, those who loved and those who uh, were sought for, you know, uh, sought by the lovers. It discusses imprisonment. It discusses the release from imprisoning. Um, it discusses uh, becoming free and, and, and so on. It discusses the drought. It discusses a uh, time of great prosperity. And there are so many others that a single story would not be able to include all of these different themes. So he's saying that that's why it's a story that is just short, but includes so many different themes together. That just is amazing. Right. Some other points. The longest surah in the Quran. I mean, th this, is, uh, th th this is not, again... This is from, let's see who this is from. Zarakshi has, Zar, sorry, Zarkashi has mentioned this uh, from somebody who he does not name, right? This has been related from one of the past people. And again, as I said, this is their observation. The longest surah in the Quran is Surah Al-Baqarah. I, I think we can all agree with that. Its shortest surah is Inna A'tayna Kal Kawthar. The longest ayah in the Quran is ayatul dayn, which is what I just mentioned before. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu idha tadayyantum bidaynin. Right? Um, the shortest ayah in the Quran. What is the shortest ayah in the Quran? He says it's wadduha and walfajr. Those are the shortest. It's just one word, right? And one particle. Wadduha and walfajr. The longest word in the Quran. The longest word in the Quran. That, the, the one I just said was the shortest verse in the Quran. is what duha and wal-fajr. Right? But the longest single word in the Quran, right, in terms of the way it's written, in as many letters is, فَأَسْقَيْنَا كُمُوهُ 
Now this is just general information. It's interesting. We love the Quran. We just want to find out more about the Quran. This is in Surah Al-Hijr, verse 22. Surah Al-Hijr, verse 22. You know, maybe somebody, you know, if somebody who's been diligent in writing all of this can actually draft this all out and, and put it up, you know, it'll be beneficial for others, right? But everybody should write it if you're interested because, you know, don't wait for others to do it. So, فَأَسْقَيْنَاكُمُ in verse 22 of Surah Al-Hijr. Then he says, that in the Quran, there are two verses which combine all of the dotted letters in that one verse. Now, subhanAllah, look, they were looking for this kind of stuff. They were just so interested in the Quran. So there's two verses which incorporate all the dotted letters in the Quran. The first verse is Surah Ali Imran, verse 154. And it carries on. And the second verse is in Surah Al-Fatih, verse 29. I think that is the last uh, verse of Surah Al-Fatih. Muhammadur Rasulullah Walladheena ma'ahu ashidda'u ala al-kuffari ruhama'u baynahum and, and, and so on, right? Then he says that you will never find in the Qur'an where you've got two big ha's together repeatedly, one after the other, except in two places. So in the entire Qur'an, you will not find two ha's together, except in two places. First, he says in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 235, Ha and Ha, end of the last verse and the uh, starting of the second verse, uh, sorry, second word. And the other place in Surah Al-Kahf, verse 60, Two Ha's like that. Because it's complicated to read two Ha's, and I said earlier, um, Arabs didn't like complication. So this is the place where you'll find it. I mean, somebody's looking for all of these things, subhanAllah. Now, if you do find another place, let me know. This is not Holy Grail. This is not from the Prophet wasallam. This is not like some scientific experiment. This is somebody did this. And he's providing his conclusions to us. Maybe, inshallah, they're right. Likewise, you will never find two kafs together. Except in manasikikum. Manas, no, sorry, manasikakum. In Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 200, manasikakum. Two kafs together. And masalakakum. In Surah Al-Muddathir, verse 42, masalakakum fi saqar. Masalakakum fi saqar. Likewise, you will never find two reins together. SubhanAllah, what were these people doing? Amazing. Their, their, their uh, love for the Quran. They're just looking for everything. Like, are there two reins in the Quran? There's only one place it says, وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِ تَغِي غَيْرَ وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِ غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا That's verse 50, sorry, 85 of Surah Ali Imran. Then he said there's also no verse in the Quran which has 23 kafs in one verse. 23 kafs except the ayat al-dayn. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا تَدَايَنْتُمْ بِدَيْنٍ إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّنْ فَاكْتُبُوهُ nor are there two, any two ayat in which there are 13 places to stop where you can stop. Two verses together where you should stop in 13 places. should pause in 13 places to make it make sense because there are separate points in there. These are the ayatul mawarith. يُوسِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ This is Suratun Nisa. Likewise, 
there are no three verses altogether in which there are ten wows, except in Wal-Asr, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرٍ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرٍ I have not counted this myself, but check it out. Let me know what you, what you find. And there is no verse of 51, there is no surah of 51 verses. So you'd assume that 51 verses are going to be quite a short surah. In which there are 52 places to stop. It has 51 verses, but it has 52 places to stop. I'm not sure why he mentioned that. This is Surah Al-Rahman. Ibn Khalaway has also mentioned a lot of this. Abu Abdullah Al-Khabazi, the great scholar of Qira'ah, he says, the first time I met with Sultan Mahmud, the son of uh, Sultan Malik Shah from the Seljuk uh, Empire, right? Sultan Malik Shah was uh, one of their greatest. Um, his son... Uh, was uh, Sultan Mahmud. So when I first met him, this is the kind of asking he was asking me. I mean, these are rulers, right? They're asking this question. He says, give me a, su- uh, give me a verse which begins with rain. Now that's, it's like saying, give me, give, me a, give me words in English that begin with X. Not, not like that. I mean, X is a really weird character, but rain is not. But still, rain doesn't generally come in the beginning. And immediately he said, there are three verses. Mashallah, they knew this stuff. First one is Surah Ghafir, verse 3. Ghafir al-Dhambi wa Qabil al-Tawb. This is the beginning of Surah Ghafir. Then he says, there are two other verses, but there it's not agreed upon that there's a verse there, that it begins a verse. There's a difference of opinion. One is Alif Lamim Ghulibat al-Rum. Some have considered that separate. Some have considered that together. And the third one is Ghayr al-Maghdubi alayhim wa al-Dalin. The Hanafis consider that to be a separate verse, whereas the Shafis consider that to be conjoined to the previous part of it. So Ghayr al-Maghdubi, Ghulibat al-Rum, Mashallah, mashallah. And the final point I'm going to make for today, right? Sorry, I've taken more point, but I wanted to just finish this topic. Imam Suyuti says that I've seen in the writing of Shaykh Islam Ibn Hajar uh, Al Asqalani Rahimahullah, Fil Qurani Arba'u Shaddatin Mutawaliya. He said there are a, a few places in the Quran where you're going to have four shaddas altogether. Ooh, four shaddas. Shadda is a double word like. Walla, right? Dab, dab. So two bars. It's four places where you. Sorry, these are places where you got four of these shaddas together. The first is in Surah to Maryam, verse sixty-four and sixty-five. Nasiya Rabbus Samawati. Nasiya Rabbus Samawati. But if you connect them, it's Nasiya Rabbus Samawati. Now those of the, the English have a difficult difficult time. You'll see, they have a very difficult time in doing shaddas. If somebody's name is Muhammad, they can't say Muhammad, they'll say Muhammad. Right? If somebody's name is Ammar, they'll say Amar. Right? You, if you notice, they can't. And unfortunately, there's some of our people who are picking that up as well. And that's, oh, my name is Amar. Like, what's, what's Amar? It's Ammar. That's, or Ammar. That's your name. Right? And there's a lot of words like that, right? We, which have the double. Uh, the, the double letters. So, Surah An-Nur, verse 40. Fi bahril lujjiyi. Fi bahril lujjiyi. Right, so it's four. And then, in Surah Yasin, you read this all the time, verse 58. Qawlam mir rabbir rahim. Qawlam mir rabbir rahim. You got four there, but because it's got a, 
the ikh uh, the 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 idram in between uh, the ghunna uh, in between it separates it slightly and then the last one actually there were four places suratul mulk verse 5 wala qad zayyanasma wala qad zayyanasma according to other qira this is wala qad zayyan wala qad zayyanasma anyway these were all interesting points just to show you how people have mashallah really really focused on the quran tomorrow is tuesday we did say we're going to have some questions tomorrow uh, besides the questions we will uh, hopefully be able to also deal with some of the very specific benefits of certain surahs of the quran so or certain verses of the quran if we have time inshallah we'll cover that as well i'm hoping that inshallah this piqued your interest in terms of looking at the quran seeing and being encouraged by the people before us of how they were encouraged by the Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and bless us all during these last few hours and days of Ramadan and accept it from us. Please remember us in the 29th night tonight or tomorrow night whenever it's for you and uh, please pray for us and our family and especially the projects that we have that Allah facilitate them. There are some very impending projects that we have that we would love your help with in terms of your du'as inshallah. Jazakallah. And of course, if you want to donate, please go ahead and donate through uh, White Thread uh, Institute. Uh, go and look it up, whitethread.org. And mashallah, you can help uh, the next generation of scholars. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum. ورحمة الله وبركاته